0: Go, go, well, I'm just real quick. Since somebody asked me uh, during the invasion. It was like, he, he said, we don't even know what we're doing. And uh, I said, yep, you're right. We don't know what we're doing, but we specialize in operating in the fog of war. And if we don't know what we're doing, uh, damn sure guarantee you the enemy doesn't know what we're doing.
1: What's up? What's up, you amazing abundant leaders? I am Wally Carmichael, your founder and host of the Men of Abundance podcast, the Pay It Forward community, proving to you that you can, in fact, live a life of abundance in family, faith, finances, and fitness on your way to having more. And you absolutely should. I feel it's your obligation if you're so inclined to do so. You have all your faculties about you. You absolutely should be Living your life of abundance or striving to do so. Because in order to live your life of abundance, you must pay it forward to others. And that is what we are doing here today. We're paying this conversation forward to you. And all I ask in return is for you to be abundant in your actions today. By paying it forward and sharing men of abundance. On your social media, share this conversation. Look for other conversations. You can search in the search bar uh, at menofabundance.com under podcast and search for topics around money, education, finances, health, um, family, faith, finances, and fitness. You can search different names. There's over 400 conversations at this point that you can choose from. There's conversations about hate and there's conversations about people being incarcerated and and making it through that. Just so many different amazing conversations. Probably a situation close to what you have been in and a situation that somebody else might be going through right now and needs to hear this conversation. So be abundant in your actions today. Pay it forward. Share men of abundance with others wherever you see fit. When you share I'd greatly appreciate it if you hashtag Men of Abundance, or at least hashtag MOA. But Men of Abundance is better because there's another company out there that's using MOA. It's some MLM in the Philippines or something. But specifically hashtag Men of Abundance and then tag me in it so I can check it out and give you a shout out on the show. By the way, one other thing that only takes a couple of minutes is right underneath the podcast player, It gives you the opportunity to leave a rating and review. And you can do that on iTunes. You can do that on your favorite podcast player. The reason why that's important is because that really does lift Men of Abundance up in the search engines when people are searching for all the key terms that we've had conversations about. I personally thank you for doing that. But more importantly, the people who find that conversation as a result of you sharing it are also going to be very, very thankful. Heck, you might even save somebody's life. It really is that serious. Now, our future guest today, he served 23 years in the United States Marine Corps. He is a combat veteran, having served in Kosovo, Iraq, and Afghanistan. Following retirement from the Marine Corps, John continued serving as a civilian in the Pentagon at Headquarters Marine Corps Aviation And at the time of this conversation, was still serving overseas with the State Department. Now, here's the interesting thing. John began making salad dressing and marinade many years ago and founded Semper Savage with his wife, Stacy in response to friends and family who insisted that their salad dressings need to be made available to the market. John drives the overreaching vision of the company. He enjoys many outdoor activities, is an avid reader and musician. He seeks to connect with and support the veteran community and their families through personal connections and inspire with savage patriotism, family values, and the tireless pursuit of perfection. Men of Abundance, it is my pleasure to introduce you to John Curry. John, welcome to Men of Abundance, brother. How you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. I, uh, I really appreciate the opportunity to come on and talk to you, Wally. Oh, man, it's my pleasure. It really is. I mean, we were connected through JP and, I mean, just an amazing, amazing individual that gets us connected. But also, you're a fellow veteran, man, 23, 23 years Marine Corps, and yeah. you're still serving uh, in some yeah, yeah, in my own way. I am. Yes, absolutely. Love it. Absolutely love it. And where are you coming to us from? Where, where are you at in the world?
0: Yeah, right now I am sitting in Baghdad uh, in Iraq, and uh, I, uh, I work for State Department here um, uh, doing some, some things that I, that I really can't really get into, but, uh, you know, just uh, I, I am still serving, kind of doing the same thing I did when I was in the Marine Corps. Uh, so it's awesome. Great people. Uh, I love the, the team I get to work with here every
1: day, and uh, the mission has meaning, and uh,
0: so it's very rewarding.
1: Very good. Well, thank you for doing that, man. I greatly appreciate it. I really do. And I know others out there, out there do as well. I've been okay. had the pleasure of hanging out in Baghdad uh, for a little while uh, back in my day. Uh, Cause oh, I retired yeah. about five years ago. Uh, mm-hmm. Time flies. It's been over five years. And then I had the opportunity to go back and do what I was doing when I was on active duty as well, yeah. uh, down only in a different capacity. Actually, I literally, after a couple months, I went and worked for the Navy for a little bit. I was Army, but I went and worked for the Navy for a little bit as an EEO specialist, and then got a call to go back to the office I was at as a civilian. I literally sat at the desk I was sitting at when I retired, (laughs) only in civilian clothes.
0: Isn't that awesome? I got a similar opportunity uh, after I retired to go back to Headquarters Marine Corps Aviation and uh, got to work in the uh, Cobra Huey shop uh, on the same program that I same aircraft I had flown while I was in the Marine Corps and, uh, uh, same program I had worked for, for many years in, in some other capacities. And, and it, I really, I loved it. I got to stay there for four years and I almost didn't leave, but I decided to take this opportunity as a, as a, as a way to kind of do something different.
1: Yeah. Very cool. And that's right. You flew Cobra. Is that what you did? Yeah. I was a, I was a Cobra pilot in the Marine Corps. Uh,
0: had a, had a great time doing it. It was a lot of fun. And, uh, then uh, got into acquisitions and worked on the Cobras. Cobras and Hueys are attached at the hip in the Marine Corps, uh, which is kind of unique, but uh, they're attached to the hip. They're in the same squadron. They do the same missions or many of the same missions. And uh, so I got to fly for for many years in, uh, of course, combat m- multiple tours in, in various places. And ended up in 2006, I had – so much deployed time that i had to do something different because i was really really getting burned out and uh i just had a ton of deployed time my my purse tempo as they call it uh was so high um, that i could basically you know they were like dude we have got to give you a break and i was like okay Hey, have you ever heard of PAX river? And I was like, no, I've never heard of PAX river. Well, it turns out that that's where all the acquisitions and stuff is done. I went there not really knowing what I was getting into and found out that I really loved the work and uh, ended up kind of sticking in that field. The rest of my career uh, retired out of the Pentagon. And uh, then I went to work for a very short time at uh, bank of America, but I quickly got back to the Pentagon back into the Cobras and Huey's uh, working in that Cobra and Huey shop at the Pentagon uh, on that program. And so I have literally spent like my, the vast majority of my life working on Huey's and Cobras or flying them. One of the two.
1: (laughs) Isn't that awesome? You know, that's one of my favorite things I really enjoyed about the military and I, I can specifically speak army. I'm army, my oldest boy's army and my middle son, he's Navy. And, but I'll tell you As a medic, I was able to be exposed to so many different types of vocations from engineers of all flavors, vertical and horizontal. Um, I mean, you name it. I worked in fixed facilities. I've worked with infantry. I've worked with field artillery. I've worked with aviation. I mean, I've had an opportunity to work with so many different people, and it really gave me a well-rounded thought process of who did I want to be when I grew up. (laughs) And What a great experience, yeah. Uh, and I hadn't, hadn't really thought about that before
0: uh, with with being a medic in the military that, that yeah, you can kind of touch on everything in a lot of ways.
1: Yeah, with special ops for a while as well. So, you know, it isn't about me, it's about you. I like to start out, man, with an attitude of gratitude. This is the way I start out every single morning. And I yeah. got away from it for a little while as far as writing it down. The first thing I think of in the morning is something I'm grateful for, but I used to write it down. And I just recently got back into putting pen to paper writing in my journal, but what do you have to be grateful for specifically today, John?
0: Yeah. So, uh, every day I think I am, uh, I don't, I don't think this every day I think about, and I'm thankful for, uh, my family. Um, and that seems really, what's the word? Uh, anyway, that seems like a very common thing, but I'm very, I am really thankful for my family and just the opportunity to have these people in my my life specifically right now i am super thankful for my wife um she not only am i just thankful to have her in my life because of who she is and she's a wonderful person but she provides a a mirror she she, she is not shy about telling me you know what she thinks Uh, about what I'm doing wrong or where I'm going wrong or where I'm failing or bottom line is she really holds me accountable and keeps me honest. Um, And I was just thinking about how I should, how thankful I am to have somebody to kind of keep me humble. If that makes sense.
1: Oh, it absolutely does. How long have you been married?
0: Uh, Now We've only been married four years. we got married in 2018. So this is a second marriage for both of us. Um, but uh just four years right now. But uh uh it has been a, a it has been a wonderful uh four years. Uh and I've just been really, really thankful. I'm so lucky. Uh you know, I, I always tell her if I lost her, I'd I'd search I'd have I'd spend the rest of my life searching around the world trying to find her again because uh I've just never run into she's one of the finest human beings I've ever met. I've never run into somebody somebody quite like her.
1: Mm yeah that's very, that's beautiful man thanks for sharing that too because it is and and it is a common um answer quite frankly uh you know as far as me doing this over 300 conversations family yeah. always comes up the spouse is always at the top the very very top of the list and and it is for yeah. me as well i mean my wife we've been together coming up on you know 30 years and right. uh i'm telling you man it's just <laughs> That woman, that woman saved my soul. That's for sure. There's no doubt about it.
0: Yeah, they can definitely keep you, you know, having somebody to keep you uh, on the right path to hold you accountable. You know, I mean, that's what it is. It's just yep. somebody to hold you accountable. Wow, that goes a long way. Uh, I, I, my wife will probably be the first to tell you, you know, uh, I, I would have a tendency to kind of go off into space if somebody mm-hmm. didn't bring me back down to reality because uh, I do tend to kind of go off the rails on certain things and get a little obsessed with certain things and, uh, you know, maybe spend a little too much time on, on
1: stuff. Well, obsession isn't a bad thing, but we do need that grounding and uh, thank, thank, good for it. thank thank goodness for it. So, you know, here are men of abundance. We're going to get into the professional and I talked a little bit about what you're doing professionally and as we just did as well. Yeah. But we really like to get to know the man behind the abundance so if you would how would you describe yourself john
0: yeah so that's uh a that's a surprisingly difficult question to answer uh i think so i thought about this a little bit when i when i saw that when i saw the outline of the of the uh, conversation and i think i think a lot of times we answer this question by by telling people about what we've done in our lives so but if we strip that away if, if I strip away what I've done and what I've achieved and we kind of strip some of those things away and we talk about the essence of who I am or who anybody is if you look at yourself that way very objectively it becomes you really you've really got to think and so I did a little bit of thinking about that and I think the best way I could, I would break myself describing myself. I would say, Hey, here's a guy who, who works really hard to do the right thing. Uh, who works really hard to have, uh, integrity and to be an honest broker in, in, in everything. So that's one characteristic that I would describe myself with. I would describe myself as generally being an optimist. And I think that's really important. Um, And then I'm somebody who is working every day, even in the smallest way to move goals forward, you know, just move that ball down the field one more yard every day. Uh, and then further and maybe most importantly is I'm somebody who fails often. Um, and sometimes it's a, it's small failure. Sometimes it's larger failure. Sometimes it's a professional failure. Sometimes it's a personal failure, but the key, the other half of that equation is I, I tend to get back up. You know, if I fail, I tend to get back up. Um, and looking back on my life, and it's not always been just by personal strength that I've gotten back up after a failure, after being knocked down. Um, you know, There's been other factors, other people involved that have helped me to get back up. Anyway, I just think that's key. So, that, and so that's how I would describe myself. Uh, you know, hey, working hard to do the right thing, uh, generally optimistic, moving goals forward daily, fails often but uh, gets back up uh, every time I get knocked down.
1: Excellent. Yeah, says a lot about, you know, your background and what you've done and what you've been able to accomplish. Uh, For sure, you know, the, the failing forward idea, if you will but you sure. know yeah thanks for sharing that that's uh, and i and i totally get that from our first conversation that we had um we've had a couple conversations actually which is rare i don't always get to have conversations with my guests ahead of time but after just a couple conversations i realized you was definitely somebody i wanted to share with all of our abundant listeners because you definitely have a great story and part of your journey and part of your story, as with all of us, we all get these kick in the gut moments. And some of the, some of the times, those kicks are a little bit lower
0: <laughs> and yeah, a little bit right. more
1: powerful. Take us to our knees sometimes. But the important thing is, like you said, is getting back up. But right. share with us a kick in the gut moment with us and share with us. And then we're going to get into what you learned from that. And what are you doing with that information?
0: Yeah, so uh, there's been a ton of them. And I was trying to pick out. I, I've tried to think about, be a little bit thoughtful here, and think of, think about not necessarily the most, you know, the worst kick in the gut moment, but maybe the one that was the most impactful. And as I go back to when I was fairly young, and I was in flight school with the Marine Corps, so if I had got to set the stage just a little bit, but at the time, going through flight school, you couldn't fail very many events. You, you couldn't have a flight failure or a test failure uh, more than at the time. It was roughly two. And so this is over the course of a two-year school or about, a, you know, 18-month to two-year school. So, you know, uh, it, it was pretty high bar. Actually, it was a very high bar at the time. It, it changes over time. But anyway, at any rate, I was in advanced training. Uh, so I was in kind of the final stage of training I was the big at the beginning of the final stage of training and I got a uh, a, what's called a down in other words I failed a flight and uh, it happened on a Friday I came back and so as soon as I got the down as soon as I failed the flight of course I've just got this horrible you know like I've got a big old boulder in my gut I had to come back up to the squadron office and I had to go see the training officer and, uh, tell him what had happened. Um, thank God. And I don't even remember the guy's name, uh, but thankfully, uh, had a, had a, another Marine captain there, uh, who was a great, just had a great perspective and he threw a pencil. He shut the door to the little tiny office he threw a pencil on the floor and he pointed at it and he said, that is the size of the speed bump that this has put in your life. I guess he could probably tell that I was about to, you know, that (laughs) that I was about to go jump off a cliff or something. Right. And, uh, I took him at his word. I said, okay. Uh, but then I commenced to basically go on a three day, you know, journey of, you know, the depths of depression to, uh, finally pulling myself out of it, uh, by Sunday. Uh, and then Monday I was right back in the game, uh, reattacking, but boy, I'll tell you, that was a huge test, um, for me. And it was very impactful. And coming out on the other side, I realized a couple of things, uh, so it was about, it was the rest of that Friday. So so I, I'll i say it was Friday, Saturday, and Sunday that I spent down in the dumps, um, you know, wonder if, wondering if I'm going to make it, you know, thinking about how much effort and how many years I had put in to get to where I was. And, oh my gosh, you know, if I have one more failure, they're going to kick me out. And then, you know, what am I going to do? And um, But coming out of it, what what I took away and have been able to apply as perspective going forward throughout the rest of my life was, look, no matter how bad you think something is right now in the moment, it's probably not as bad as you're going to think it is, whether it's next week or next year, you're going to look back on this moment and go, you know what, it really wasn't that big a deal. Why did I think it was the end of the world? Uh, but I was able to sort of compress that lesson into about a three-day experience to where I came out, I showed back up at the squadron on Monday, I was feeling good, I was ready to re-attack, ready to take on the world. So that was the most impactful kick-in-the-gut moment. And boy, I'll tell you, of all the the kick-in-the-gut moments, that one, that was probably the first time, this is key too, Wally, that was probably the first time I had been faced with just complete, Failure where there was nobody to blame, but me. I had, I I was coming up against, not that I hadn't studied hard. It was just, it was the question kind of was, geez, do you have what it takes to do this thing? And and so it was a very almost existential sort of a, a, an experience where it wasn't just, Oh yeah, I need to study hard, harder or I need to work harder. I couldn't study any harder or work any harder. It was coming down to, Hey, does John Curry have what it takes to do this thing? So that's what was in question. That's why it was such a kick in the gut moment. And I think that's why when I was able to overcome it, when I was able to get back up, I didn't give up, you know, I kept moving forward and was ready to reattack, you know, just three days later uh, it, it was really became a, it became a almost an allegory that I could look back on going forward w- with other events that were much larger, uh, much more dangerous. Uh, I could look back on that event and say, you know what, I've kind of been through this before. So anyway, very long story, I guess, but,
1: uh, Man, thanks for sharing that uh, seriously, because yeah. And as you said, you look back on it and you're like, well, it wasn't as significant as I thought it was at the time, but, listen guys you 're going through something like this right now. many people are, uh, and i don 't want to take away from the significance and the importance of what you are currently going through because it is very real to you and it is tough to deal with. But as John just shared, obviously and i've you can go back and listen to multiple past episodes of this conversation. And many other stories of people who have, are doing amazing things in the world that have had these kick in the gut moments that you can get through. But listen, don't try to get through it by yourself. Notice John went to a mentor. It was a leader in his organization, somebody he had to answer to. But that man was no was man was a, it was a gentleman, right? A man. Anyway, yeah, I'll make was, sure I get yeah, it properly. Uh, but, Marine,
0: Marine yeah. captain who was uh, man. He just uh, I'll tell you what, just uh, he. He took me aside. He saw what I was going through, probably knew what I was going through. And he knew that he needed to give me some perspective. And he did. And it helped Mm. tremendously.
1: Yeah, he saw it because why? He's been through it. And he's seen many other students go through it. Many other candidates go through it before him. Just like when I was an instructor, every time a candidate came to me with an issue or a problem, you know, I figured they knew the answer. And it wasn't, it wasn't a miracle. It was because they had the experience they'd been through it. How are you paying it forward now? Well, that's
0: a good question. Um, I think there's a lot of ways to, there's a lot of ways to think about that. And so, you know, am I Bill Gates giving billions of dollars to, you know, homeless kids? No, not. So how am I paying it forward? Um, one, I think you just got to start with your daily life. And so I'm, I'm in charge of, of a fairly large organization over here. And uh, so one, how am, I, how am I paying it forward? I'm trying to make life better for the people who are in my charge. So now this is basic leadership 101 stuff, but I'm trying to do that well. Uh, I'm trying to do it well, trying to be a good a good. A leader in the broadest sense, trying to be kind, uh, trying to uh, you know, like I said before, trying to do the right thing. Um, So in my daily life, I just work hard to be a good leader. I work hard to at least I try to just generally be a good man, Uh, be somebody who's a good friend. Uh, be somebody who people can come to to talk to when they've got problems whether they're personal problems professional problems uh, so so that's the basics um, the basic answer to that question uh, in a larger sense um, stacy and i started the company semper savage which is just a salad dressing company but um, we really want to connect well and that's how that's kind of how you and i got Got hooked up. We we really want to connect with other other veterans, uh, particularly veterans who are family centric, veteran families, uh, first responders, and just have good com- good connections, good positive uh, conversations. So you know, who knows? Maybe somebody will listen to this podcast and really take something away from it, uh, whether it's big or small. So that's a, that's another level through through the company, really trying to make positive connections with people uh, to hopefully provide some some inspiration uh, through that. The other thing that I've recently started doing, I forgot, honestly, I forgot what the motivation was for starting this, but I, I just started writing um, leadership articles on LinkedIn, you know, totally free, just... All you got to do is go read the article, but I'm not sure how many I got, you know, maybe six or seven articles that I've written on LinkedIn just about leadership. And all it is is just telling a story from from my experience, usually in the Marine Corps. Usually there's a little bit of humor to it, to it uh, but then trying to just kind of take away um, the leadership principle and hopefully feed that to some folks and give them some food for thought. So those are the main ways i see myself at least um, paying it forward a bit
1: i love it absolutely love it so let's get this straight you transition from cobra pilot doing amazing things active duty marine then you go uh work in the pentagon back where you were originally working at now you are done in baghdad and all the time you're this badass marine pilot now you're making salad dressing yeah. And I love the and I love the whole idea. You know, it's it's the, amazing the transitions that veterans can make on a just uh, it's seemingly on a dime. Yeah. And literally on a dime figuratively and financially. <laughs> right. But right. um you know some still struggle quite a bit because I've seen so many being in the business that I'm in now uh seeing so many veterans transition they Veterans make great entrepreneurs. The problem is they make great entrepreneurs because of their work ethics and they, they know how to deal with adversity, they know how to make change quick, but they just, just like many business owners, they just don't have the business acumen yeah. and they either go take a business course, I got a, I've taken multiple business courses, I've got a college degree, it doesn't, did not teach me how to build a business. It taught right. me how to work in a business, but it did not teach me how to build my own business. And then we try to learn from the, you know, just like in, just like in a wheelchair, we have barracks lawyers. We have barracks fitness guys. We have barracks this, that, and the other. We want to listen to our buddies. They're not doing any better than we are.
0: Agreed. So
1: what got you into that whole process? I know you were encouraged because you just automatically had this amazing salad dressing that your friends said, hey, you got to bottle this up, stuff up and sell it. Yeah. There's more to that. Yeah. How did you actually make that decision to move forward on it?
0: Yeah, so that's that's interesting. Um, so yeah, let's
1: had
0: had been working on this, had been working on building making my own salad dressing for years, finally, finally kind of kind of nailed it and uh, was just making it for the family, friends, family, uh everybody really loved the stuff. Um and then so they mostly mostly friends and family to begin with was saying, hey. You really need to bottle this stuff. So I did a little bit of research, and I was like, "Oh wow, that's going to take a whole lot of money. I don't want to. I don't want to risk that kind of money, you know, doing basically what amounts to a to a hobby." And um, so went on for a few more years making the salad dressing and whatnot. And uh, folks continue that they just continued to kind of rave about it and so stacy and i my wife stacy and i you know we were kind of thinking we're like huh you know maybe there's something to this well the the one of the pivotal moments was uh our oldest daughter rachel one christmas um she she went to stacy and said hey i'm thinking about a a gift um, i want salad dressing <laughs> but i want to do this gift this you know this particular way and they kind of they they kind of came up with it well what she did was she made a label with my face on it and i think the label said john curry's famous salad dressing uh, or something like that she put the labels on a bunch of mason jars gave me a box of mason jars and then had a note in there that said okay fill these up with salad dressing now and which was kind of funny you know it was kind of a joke Not really a joke, but you know, it was it was a cute gift, and you know, believe it or not, that little gift. I'm looking at this mason jar with a label on it, and I'm going, "Man, God, maybe, maybe I can do this. You know, maybe, maybe if we put our heads together, you know, me and Stacy, maybe we can actually make this happen." Well, that was very closely, I think, followed by, I think it was soon after that that a friend of mine named mac talbert who has a barbecue sauce company named smoke and shine i had worked for him or with him for a couple years he worked at at the uh naval aviation at n98 in the in the pentagon and i probably saw this guy once a week and uh so one day he comes waltzing into our little office and starts popping off about how his barbecue sauce business is going and I was like you've got a barbecue sauce business and he goes yeah and I'm like man we need to talk and uh so we went and we just had lunch and what long and short is he was able to to mentor me from through getting something into a bottle and how to do that without necessarily uh breaking the bank so th- those two events, one, kind of some inspiration from our daughter, and, and two, a little bit of mentorship from somebody who was right in front of my face, and I just didn't know it. Those two events happening close together were just super important to Stacey and I making the decision to go ahead and create a company and try to make something happen with it.
1: That's pretty awesome, man. And look at the everything lining up and kind of you know, you've, you've, uh, what is the, I forget the comedian's name, but he used to say, Bill Engville, I think he used to say, here's your sign.
0: Yeah. 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 Here's your sign. Exactly. Um, and so we did, and boy, I'm here to tell you, it was, it was, a it has, it has still, it's, it's tough. We continually do things, uh, that are not optimized we continually make mistakes because like you were saying wally i know how to do a lot of things i have run really large projects i mean the h1 program was a seven billion dollar acquisition program and so i'm I'm no stranger to to large projects things that are very complex stacy is a uh, university level education teacher in science um in science and she's been a high school science teacher and she's been you know she's been a biologist before and I mean a very very smart lady but between the two of us neither of us really knows how to run a business so we had to kind of figure a lot of this stuff out and along the way you make mistakes and so the big lesson learned for us there was hey if you don't know how to do something and it needs to be done properly. It's probably going to be worth your while to hire somebody to do it uh, or to at least consult with someone who is an expert in the field. It's just, well, I'm here to tell you it is absolutely worth it because we have wasted a lot of money doing things improperly. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then we've had to reel it back in and get, you know, get with, Someone who is an expert in the field, and have them fix it.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, simple as that. So
1: yeah, without a doubt. I mean, consider this. I mean, while it's much more dangerous, could you imagine? Had you just walked up into the shop and jumped behind the the panel of a of a Cobra helicopter and say, "I'm going to fly this thing in the next by the end of the you know next six months or whatever it takes." You know, you, you would have never, you would have never, ever got that. Probably wouldn't have, I wouldn't have never been able to switch the damn thing on.
0: No, yeah, exactly. And it, it's, it's, that, that's a pretty decent analogy. And something else that I'm actually writing an article on that, uh, I, I haven't been able to completely, completely finish it yet, but I, I want to tell you a quick story. The, uh, um, I call it the illusion of immediacy. And um, so, uh, when during the invasion of Iraq, um, we rolled into this country and absolutely ran willy-nilly over everything. We did things in a manner that was very much a pickup game, and uh, very little de- deliberate planning. After the big planning, you know, after basically after the kickoff of the war, very little deliberate planning tons of ad hoc stuff. And when we got back to the boat, um, which my the attack assets got pulled back to the ship after about 30 days, um, I had one of my young, young bucks. Okay, so keep in mind that these guys had been with me for like two years. I had been hammering them on planning and detailed, you know, just down to the gnat's ass, detailed planning on every aspect of, of conducting a mission right and anyway one of them came to me and said hey why is it that we trained you know you trained us for two years to do this unbelievably detailed planning then we go to a war and we throw it all out the window and we don't do any of it we don't do any of the planning and my answer to him which is absolutely true is that without the training that we had done with the background that we had gained and the knowledge we had gained from all of that deliberate planning we had done in training, we never never would have been able to pull off the ad hoc stuff that we did during the invasion. So I call it the illusion of immediacy. You know, you look like you're playing this unbelievable pickup game and everybody's going, Oh my gosh, this guy's just a genius. No, he's not just a genius. He's done some sort of, you know, some, Tremendous amount of work and knowledge and practice is behind what is now seeming to be natural and immediate. Um, So anyway, I throw that out there because I think about that a lot in business where I am trying to do something that is, that I, I haven't necessarily spent, I, I, you know, I don't have an MBA. I, I didn't spend, you know, Uh, years and years bouncing around in different kinds of companies and seeing how things were done. Didn't have entrepreneurial uh, experience uh, necessarily. Um, You know, and here I am, I'm trying to do it. Just me, you know, me and my wife basically Uh, just trying to get it done. And, 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 and we're not going to get that immediacy. We're not, it's, it's not going to be there. And so we've got to seek it somewhere we have got absolutely
1: and the fact of the matter is um mistakes have to be made failures have to be endured but john they don't have to be your mistakes and your failures you can learn from other people's mistakes the difference in going into the scenario that you were just talking about with your with your team uh is that we were by and large going into uncharted territory and oh by the way we had unpredictable events in front of us And I put myself into that situation as well because I've been there myself in in a different capacity. And the fact of the matter is so, you know, you, you get that. But when it comes to business, other people have done, many people have done what you're doing and done it very successfully. And for instance, somebody like myself who has networked with hundreds of business strategists, I've never been in the salad dressing. And by the way, it's not just salad dressing guys. It's also marinades and just amazing sauces, um, of that nature. Uh, but I can easily reach out to my network and find out, you know, who's, who's been in this industry in this type of retail industry and, you know, product and the whole bit, uh, it's just quick. And just within 24 hours get all kinds of feedback on that. So that's what I have on my team. And I built that because, I built myself around that because I want to always be able to be moving forward, but I don't want to do it by myself. It just doesn't make sense uh, to do that. So good for you and and making the realization that you need to reach out and have that conversation. And actually, you and I are going to have that conversation. I think here next week. Um, Yeah, it's uh, coming up soon. Yeah, Yeah, good. I'm looking forward to that. So, man, I'm telling you what, absolutely love it. I was when you're telling that story, it was reminding me of Extreme Ownership by Jocko Willink. Uh, right. He tells a story about when he, they were getting ready for a very, very big operation. They trained day and night, 100 times a day. The team was frustrated, pissed off, tired of doing the same thing over and over again. Then they go in, and from the president down, and everybody says, well, we're going to do it. This th- Things have changed, and Jocko was like, nope, ain't going to happen. But they did it. It failed initially, but they recovered only because they had – uh, practiced time and time again. Basically, the lay of the land was different when they got there, um, yeah. and they had practiced a certain way. I'm sure you know the story, but mm-hmm. they 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 were very successful. Lost some equipment, <laughs> but everybody got out, and it was a successful mission. But only because they were so. Jocko was so just adamant about practicing over and over again i've been through that frustrating practicing over and over and over again but it, man it sure pays off in the end
0: i tell you uh that's a first of all great book yeah uh Jocko's book is something else i, I bought it for uh, both of our our boys um just as a hey read this thing uh, mm-hmm. this whole concept of extreme ownership is is fantastic but i tell you Another thing that many veterans, I would say the vast majority of veterans are bringing to the table is you can shoot these guys in the face with a 12 gauge and they're just going to stare right back at you and go, okay, what else you got? Mm -hmm. You know, they can, veterans tend to particularly combat veterans tend to be able to take a lot of punishment before they get their feelings hurt. Um, (laughs) You, you know, and I'm I, chuckling
1: it, because I tell my boys just like just tell my troops. I was like, look, I care much more about your well-being than I do your feelings. And if I have yeah. to choose between the two, I'm going to I'm going to choose your well-being and hurt your feelings.
0: One hundred percent. One hundred percent. But that just kind of remind me, reminded me of, you know, when we talk about the, the tools that veterans bring to the table. I think that is uh, a very big one. That, that That's one that warrants a lot of consideration is just the durability that, I, that they have mentally uh, to be able to take some punishment, to be able to get knocked down mentally and, and get back up and overcome those, uh, whatever the challenge might be, uh, because they've been there before, because they've done the work, because they've been through these experiences before. Uh, and despite you know, the, the, the mission changing, you know, the lay of the land being different, like you said, uh, maybe having some, some failures along the way, uh, they're able to, they're able to pick it back up and go. Okay, what now, guys? You mm-hmm. know, and, and come up with an alternate plan that uh, that works. So, anyways, yeah.
1: just yep. just that's why out. we win. That's why we win wars and battles, man, because we operate in in chaos on a daily basis. So, we we get down there and it's like oh, business as usual. Go, go well. i just
0: real quick. So somebody asked me uh, during the invasion. It was like he he said, we don't even know what we're doing, and uh, I said, yep. You're right. We don't know what we're doing, but we specialize in operating in the fog of war. And if we don't know what we're doing, uh, damn sure guarantee you the enemy doesn't know what we're doing. So, Mm
1: -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Very, very good point. Many, many more stories about that in particular, man. So we're at the point where we're going to pay it forward. You ready to do that, John? Ready to do it, man. Excellent, man. All right. Listen up, abundant leaders. If you want to take full control of your personal economy, Put your leadership and business skills to work. You absolutely can start your own business coaching business. The fact is, business owners need professional coaching more now than ever. And as a business coach, you get the opportunity to put your skills to work, provide a critical service, and get duly compensated. Now, if you're saying to yourself, I would like to change careers, I would like to enhance my current career, or I would actually like to be a profitable business coach, That then brings up the question, how do you structure a coaching business? How do you get paid? How do you get clients? These seem to be the biggest questions that I hear when I'm talking to people who want to start a coaching business, specifically a business coaching business. How do you do one-on-one coaching and group coaching? And how do you set up a member site to create continuity within my coaching business? And then, of course, even if you can't figure all of that out, what's the investment? Well, I'm going to answer all of those questions for you and much more. All you have to do is go to com. That's where I will be sharing with you how to give yourself a raise whenever you like, gain more leads than you can handle so you can be very selective about who you choose to work with, You'll find out how we get clients fast results so they stay and pay for years, not just months. I will share with you how we literally show the prospects the money so you don't have to sell. And more importantly, to me anyways, you will potentially be saving lives and marriages, possibly even yours. It really is that serious. Now, if you're ready to take full control of your personal economy, put your leadership and business skills to work, and you believe that starting your own business, coaching business might be the solution, then head over to bcbapbusinessmastery.com. And don't worry about trying to write that down. You'll find the link in the show notes. Now let's get back to the conversation. So share with our abundant leaders one to three actionable steps that they can take today.
0: Yeah. So, one, this is huge with me and it's going to seem goofy. I don't think it is. Be honest. Be honest with yourself. Uh, whatever whatever my, this endeavor is, that, that whatever, whatever your, your next project is, whatever your next goal is, be honest with yourself. What does it really take to get there? Are you really willing to make the sacrifices that it takes to get there? Do you have the capabilities to get there? Just you got to be very, very objective and look in the mirror at yourself and take stock of your capabilities matched up against whatever you're trying to achieve in your life. And if you fall short someplace, uh, you've got to either go take a class, you know, or somehow gain that skill set. Uh, or you've got to seek somebody else, uh, whether in business, you know, finding a consultant in personal life, maybe you're finding a, a counselor or a coach or a, you know, you know, a priest or a pastor. Um, so that's number one is just be honest, brutally honest with yourself about who you are, what your weaknesses are and what your strengths are.
1: Excellent, man. I greatly appreciate that. You know, you're down there in Baghdad and I know you're, you were definitely a man of rituals uh, when you're, Uh, flying because all pilots have multiple rituals that they have to go through checklist by checklist what rituals make the biggest impact in your life doing what you do now
0: oh my gosh yeah doing what i do now oh wow um well so let's talk about when i get in the aircraft since you kind of brought that up when i get in the aircraft we've got obviously you got a checklist and and stuff but just Strict adherence and, and this is a relatively new airplane for me, you know, I've only got, you know, a couple hundred hours in this aircraft um, It's not like the the Cobra where I had, you know 15 years of flying it and knew it inside and out but just Taking the time to make sure you're doing things properly, you know, roll roll through that checklist uh, If anything seems out of place go back, you know and say hey, let's make sure we got this covered um, so that definitely on a on a daily basis is is a is a ritual that um is very impactful uh beyond that you know like daily routines um you, you know again this is going to sound silly but i am very strict with myself about making my bed um <laughs> which is such a A small thing, but I'm very strict with myself on it. That even though nobody's going to come in my room and see it, uh, every morning I get up no matter what time it is and I take the time to put that bed back together and and make it look uh, somewhat decent. And and I think it achieves it, one, it just kind of sets the tone that, uh, hey, I'm going to try to live a disciplined life today. Uh, one, two i've already taken one step toward achieving that goal, uh, and three, it makes it nice if I come back you know and and take a nap later on <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: uh, but i'm telling you it's it's one thing that um that is is impactful uh to me, and it helps me it, it kind of puts a stake in the ground for the day
1: yeah, I totally agree with that i'm I'm that guy too. Uh, for sure. And I, I also enjoy my naps periodically throughout the day uh, yeah. and I'm in a position to where I can do that one. Never the heck I feel like it.
0: <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, I, I'm on a crazy schedule over here. I get up at, uh, on fly days, I get up at zero two and, uh, you know, we're back around zero, you know, zero five or something, maybe eat some breakfast, but bottom line, you, you can't survive without, you know, going down for a power nap, uh, once mm-hmm. in a while.
1: Yeah, for sure. We already talked about, uh, extreme ownership, what other uh, books or anything else that you're reading or listening to that you would yeah. recommend to our abundant leaders and why,
0: man, I tell you what, I got a lot, um, things that I've been looking at recently. Uh, one thing, um, yeah, Gary, uh, I'm not Gary. Oh my gosh. Uh, Simon Sinek.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I have, uh, I've read, uh, let's see, start with why, um, leaders oh eat God. last leaders eat last and there's another one about being a uh, infinite player um it may be called be an infinite player um anyway i have either read or listened to all of those in the past you know three months or so the guy's approach it just makes so much sense uh, and i'll be honest it started with the ted talk that he did which mm-hmm. kind of kicked him off the to fame. I watched that. I was like, wow, this guy makes a lot of sense. Another guy I have been spending a lot of time with on YouTube is a psychologist uh, named um, Jordan Peterson. He is a Canadian uh, college professor. He is one of the finest minds and clearest thinkers. And that's the key clearest thinkers. I've ever encountered. He is a brutally honest, uh, he has a brutally honest approach to life. Uh, and he is all over the internet. You could get a mass, no kidding, master's level education in, in psychology and behavior and personality and things by listening to him. But the key for me, the thing that I'm taking away from him, is his clarity of thought and how he approaches arguments and how he approaches problems. Uh boy, he is he is a towering intellect and absolutely highly recommended. Jordan Peterson.
1: Yeah, I'm gonna have to check that out because I love stuff like that as well. Um, yeah. so I'll definitely be uh I'll I'll put that uh link in the show notes too guys uh for that when I find it. Um, if you, if you happen to think about it, John, if you can send it to me, I'll go ahead and put that in the show notes so everybody can go ahead and get access to that. Cause I want to check it out myself.
0: Yeah. He's, he's all over YouTube. I can just send you, you know, like one link, but he's yeah. literally got like, like a couple school years worth of uh, lectures uh, on Excellent. YouTube.
1: I love through. the thought process too, behind getting, you know, a master's degree is just a matter of, um, you know, time and practice. And uh, well, a degree is a matter of time and study. Uh, sure. To master something as a matter of time and practice and, and just teaching others and, and stuff like that. But uh, you can definitely get a lot of information that way too. What do you feel holds most people back from living a life of true abundance, John? Fear. Fear in general. Mm-hmm. Um, Fear from what? That's that's a very very common answer. The most common answer by far, like eighty five, maybe even ninety percent, is that one. But break it down a little bit. What do you think yeah. people are fear fearful of?
0: So I think it depends on the person and their and in their individual situation. But but I, I would say that uh, there's a few things that that drive fear of going to the next level. Uh, one um, fear just livelihood, you know. Do I, you know, does somebody feel like they've got to step away from their current job in order to do this next thing? You know, that's a huge risk. And so that's fear. But I would break it down a little bit further and say just things like uh, maybe fear that their wife or kids or mom or dad uh, just might think they're crazy. You know, hey, why are you doing this salad dressing company? That's a waste of time. That's stupid. You know, you're, you're never going to make a lot of money if that you're just, it's just a, you know, a financial black hole. Well, that may turn out to be the case, but uh, you know, if somebody is operating off of what another person thinks, the fear of what another person thinks, they're immediately handicapped. You've immediately uh, surrendered a huge percentage of your capability. Um, and so I, I think fear of what people, peers, and family members think is is huge i think that's a, a a big item that that holds a lot of people back just strictly a psychological mm-hmm. fear and then second would be some sort of a financial fear
1: mm-hmm.
0: um you know whether it's hey I, I want to do this venture and i don't have the money to put into it am or i'm afraid that if i do put the money into it that i'm going to lose that money um I think that's a, a huge um, barrier to entry as well. Uh, Gosh. And we could, Wally, we could probably go on and on for, for hours just talking about that one piece uh, you know, barriers to entry, just fear as a barrier to entry. Um, Again, depending on what the person is trying to achieve, and depending on what the person's current situation is, it's going to vary. But I think mm-hmm. in general, it's going to come down to some variant of fear of what people think, fear of um, specifically financial failure, fear of failure, but you know, fear of some sort of financial consequence, fear of um, some sort of professional consequence of, oh yeah, that's that guy who tried that crazy thing. Yeah, he's weird. You know, mm. he failed. He's weird. Uh, uh, or wow. What a colossal, you know, boondoggle that was, <laughs> Yeah, you, you know, just yeah. nobody wants to be that guy, um, mm. who's talked about around the office and, and, you know, entrepreneurial, entrepreneurial spirit exists everywhere. I, you believe it or not, I saw it in the military more than I've seen it anywhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, not necessarily being an entrepreneur, but entrepreneurial spirit, um, and and I think a lot of it is because in the military we're encouraged to try, mm-hmm. we're encouraged to try, and when you fail, um, you don't. Yeah, you might get your butt chewed, um, but everybody's had a butt chewing before. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not a big deal. But you're not going to lose your livelihood. The the the, yeah. the you know the Chances of you losing your live, livelihood over making a good faith try is pretty low. Uh, so there's a little bit of safety there. But I think when you get out into the civilian world, I think that that fear of uh, you know, professional fear might get amplified a bit.
1: Yeah, that can be true. And I see that a lot in the military as well. And I like to see it within businesses. I want to get a chance to get in there and see the entrepreneurs who are the yeah. entrepreneurial mindset, but... Their employees and they're, but they're, they're innovative. And yep. it's great when they're in environment and the, and the, the company, the business, even in the military, we foster, we put a lot of people into pay grades that they don't, they, they are not qualified for yet. In the army specifically, we do this. We, we, we graduate people, we promote people into positions into leadership positions way too soon sometimes uh, but it, when it forces people. I've seen, I saw a colonel get demoted, not physically rank wise, but literally was taken out of command. And within the next time I saw this guy was a couple of days later, he was as timid as a private when before yeah. he was larger than life. So position yep. makes a big difference in who you are. So when we put these people in positions of leadership, they tend to really take on that entrepreneur mindset. And they're like, I have to innovate uh, and and change some things up. So it is, it is a neat dynamic. So what does being a man of abundance mean to you, John?
0: Boy, you know, what a question. Um, And
1: and so when I think about uh,
0: abundance, you know, God, 20 years ago, I might've answered the question very differently. Uh, I think as you get older, I think your, your aperture, just opens up a biz, bit, and, and I think you become more wise. Um, at least I hope so. Um, and I know I'm still a fool in many, in many regards, but uh, or in many ways. But being a man of abundance today uh, has absolutely nothing to do with financial success. Um, being a man of abundance today is having abundant love in my life. Um, of course, between people. So with my family, uh, with my, my wife, with my kids, uh, with my, uh, with my parents, those are super important relationships. And I, gosh, to not have those, I, I think would almost cancel the idea of abundance for me, uh, to not have those, you know, rich relationships, uh, in your life, uh, And the other, another aspect is just getting to enjoy um, achievement, seeking achievement, trying to accomplish something, trying to do something with your life. That's kind of where it goes. Um, Moving the ball down the field a little bit further every day, knowing that, when i'm 90 years old i will be able to look back on my life and say that yes i I made a difference uh you know or at least gave it a college try uh, uh, to make a difference so that to me really is abundance is that abundance of love in your life through relationships with people um the relationship with your, with your goals and aspirations, hopefully a healthy relationship with your goals and aspirations and having a feeling of achievement and hopefully actually in some objective manner, um, having, you know, some measure of success along the way. I mean, man, I I just don't know that you can ask for a whole lot more. Um, but yeah, it really has nothing to do with financial success. If that comes as part of it, that's awesome. But, uh, you know, I don't think that's really where it's at.
1: Um, yeah, I agree with that, John. I definitely do. I also believe that in the, uh, the ideology that, uh, progress equals happiness. And that's mm-hmm. a lot of what you're talking about, about moving that ball down the field continuously and making progress. But to me, success is, is personal. It's, it's about yourself abundances when it's about other people and you mm. definitely sum that up there uh in making a difference in lives along the way through your journey so thanks sure. for sharing that man i greatly appreciate that now we're going to close this up man before we do uh we are definitely going to have sempersavage.com linked up in the show notes where you guys can go find his uh john's amazing uh, dressings and, and marinades but what else did we not talk about? Do you want to ensure that our abundant leaders get out of our conversation today before I let you go?
0: Oh man, gosh. Um, you know, there's, there's so much that I'd love to talk to you about just in that vein, the, the idea of abundance, but you know, for me, it continually comes back to living a, living an honorable life, living a, a life of integrity and, um, and honesty, uh, with other people being, being transparent, uh, to the extent possible. And these are things, Wally, that I fail out, fail at on a continual basis, by the way. So I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm not sitting here preaching these things. These are, these are aspirational goals, I guess, you know, I mean, you, you try to live your life with as much honesty, integrity as you can. And then from time to time you find that, you know, geez, maybe I, you know, maybe I failed in that regard. Um, and then you try to make things right. Um, but gosh, um uh, yeah, just living, living a life of integrity, living a life of, of honesty, connecting with people, trying to give back in, in the smallest ways and recognizing that you don't have to be, you don't have to have, you know, a billion dollar foundation in order to give back. Giving back starts with showing up to work every day on time and ready to work and, uh, you know, being a friend and uh, supporting folks and uh, lending a sympathetic ear when required and and giving solid advice when, When required or when warranted. um, You know, gosh, that's, it's such basic stuff, but I think those are the things that make the difference between a hollow life and a truly abundant
1: life. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. 100% agree, man. Great conversation, John. I know it would be, I greatly appreciate you taking time to come on, go out, live your life of abundance, man, keep paying it forward the way you are because you are making a hell of a difference, uh, not just for us, but other people around the world based on what you're doing currently doing right now.
0: Well, I appreciate it. And I'll tell you what, a little bit of encouragement. And you know, Wally, what you just did, just, just giving me a little bit of encouragement, just a perfect example of, uh, Sometimes that's all it takes. It's just a word of encouragement here or there uh, to to help another person down the road.
1: Absolutely, man. That's it.
0: All right, buddy. Hey, it was an absolute pleasure.
1: All right, guys. So my action step for you and really message to you is this. You know, perfection and the pursuit of perfection is great. But don't wait for perfection to make things happen in your life. Perfection may never happen. In fact, I can pretty much tell you perfection is never going to happen. The pursuit of it is one thing, but to be stagnant and to be in analysis paralysis and waiting for the perfect time, the perfect moment, the perfect event, something perfect to happen so that you can move forward in your life, I assure you, you're going to end up that cranky old man sitting on the porch yelling at kids to get off your grass. You're going to be the person that is sitting out there in your late age, if you're so blessed to live that long, and just be pissed off at the world because you didn't do the things that you wanted to do. If you ever read any books or listen to any stories about anybody on their deathbed, they almost always, one of the biggest regrets they have is the things that they didn't do, or maybe even the things that they didn't say to the people they should have said them to. So consider that as you go on throughout the rest of your week. Now, go out, live your life of abundance, and make sure to pay it forward.